Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. Today, with special guest returning guest, Hannah. Hello, everybody. So good to be back. You may remember Hannah from our episodes on historical costuming and Our Flag Means Death. And from those, you may have gathered that Hannah is my partner in crime and being a little too enthusiastic about boat media. (laughs) I love boats so much. And the people who are on them and what they wear on those boats. And while we don't have a whole lot of fashion going on today, boy howdy have we got boats. Because we are once again diving into the sailor's word book. Boat vocab or bocab. <laughs> oh, bocab. Oh, fuck, do your bocab. The Sailor's Word Book is, to quote the full title, an alphabetical digest of nautical terms, including some more especially military and scientific, but useful to seamen, as well as archaisms of early voyages, etc. Love a title that includes etc. Yeah. <laughs> By the late Admiral W.H. Smith with a Y. Published 1867. What really rules about it is that they just kind of say that they're sick of writing it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's... (laughs) He gets, like, a ways into it before he gets sick of it, though, which is pretty impressive. (laughs) I also have to say, Ken, you have got that title down so fluidly at this point. I know we've, like, joked about you having a sort of, like, auctioneer alternate career, uh, sort of in the can, should you ever decide to make a career change, but, like, that one's- it goes down real smooth at this point. Yeah, no, he's- he's got the auctioneer gene in him. (laughs) To be fair, it is written down in front of me, which does help considerably. Well, and what letter are we at this point? Sometimes I can't say my name right, and that does not, that does not provide any real advantage. I've lived with this name for nearly <laughs> for thirty some years, and God help me, it still comes out wrong. <laughs> we are on the letter M, which begins with a word I think will excite D particularly because it starts with mackerel. Oh, oh, fucking the God's own fish. <laughs> It is, there's no tastier fish in the sea. It is the most delicious thing. I'm not taking notes. Wait, I don't think I've ever had mackerel. Oh my god. I'm a sad little Midwesterner. We just eat trout. Come down to New Bedford and you too can get banned from the all-you-can-eat sushi with D. Oh shoot. My favorite thing is when we get to go to the all-you-can-eat sushi where they usually cut me off from eating the mackerel. But if we go with like a really big group, I get to eat as much as I want. <laughs> oh, so that's the that's the secret? <laughs> that's the secret. You have to Trojan horse your way into the, eating your body weight in mackerel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I was on the take with my boyfriend last time because we were there with like nine people and I was like, oh, I think we'll have nine rounds of mackerel, you know, one for everyone. And then, <laughs> and then just kidding, I'm the only one who ate any of that shit. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, Ken, that can't be the only part of this. The official definition as put down by the Sailor's Word Book is the Scombar vulgaris, a well-known sea fish. But in this case, I think Dee's definition is a little more vivid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely didn't really like, they didn't gild the lily on this entry. They were just like, yeah, you know him, <laughs> you love him. He's our buddy Mackerel. Is <laughs> <laughs> my favorite rapper, Mackerel. No. <laughs> When I was a kid, I was into art or whatever the hell he he says. (laughs) When I was in third grade, I thought I was a fish. (laughs) Because I could draw. (laughs) When I was gay, I thought I could draw. (laughs) When I was gay, I thought I was a fish. I thought I was in sixth grade. (laughs) 
wish I thought I was in the sixth grade. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> and that brings us to our second definition. Mad. Oh. The mackerel is angry? Or like cuckoo bananas? Like, oh, man, you should have seen him. He went totally mackerel last night. Sorry, to clarify, mad is the second word we are defining. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I thought it was, I thought mackerel had become synonymous with mad. No, tragically no. Although, after your behavior at the sushi buffet, it might well become synonymous. <laughs> I certainly will drive the servers mad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mad, why would they define this specifically for sailors? Why indeed? Because they got the sea madness. Yeah, they got that, the wave crazies. According to the sailor's word book, mad is the state of a compass needle, the polarity of which has been injured. What? Oh. Oh, so like when you're up like toward the North Pole and your compass is just like, wee, going around in circles. (laughs) Your compass is having a good old time. (laughs) So compasses back in the day were not as sturdy as our modern compasses. And if you... For example, knocked it onto the floor and gave it a good thwack. That could fuck up the polarity hard enough that it just stopped being a compass. Wait, really? I don't think I knew that you could, like, bust a compass. You can absolutely bust a compass. You can knock the magnetism right out of that thing. Oh, shit. I guess I'd never considered it before, even though I've run across many a broken compass. I suppose, like, yeah, the mechanism by which the needle, like, sort of, you know, floats and bobbles around is presumably delicate. I don't know why I was picturing, like, a basically, Ken, like you said, the actual, like, force of magnetism being, like, bonked out of it. Uh, That's nothing. I mean, yeah, you can really fuck up a magnet just by hitting it hard enough if it's a weak enough magnet. Holy crap. I'm sure there's, like, some sort of incredibly sophisticated physics application for that. Absolutely. My brother-in-law will be writing in to explain all, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) Physicists don't know nothing about magnetism. When you're like, why does it do that? They just look at you for a really long time and they tell you to shut up. Right. It has a field like a donut around it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. They were just like, why did you get in here? (laughs) Please leave. This lab is secure. (laughs) We've banned art majors from this conference. How did you find us? (laughs) So tired of you. And our next word to define is to make. (laughs) That's when you go to the bathroom. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you, you do a thing. Fair. To make or do. You create it with your little sailor hands. Or wait, no, actually, hang on. I was joking, but I think I actually know this one. It's uh, when you pass the lieutenant exams, right? Oh. That is not a definition listed here, but yes. <laughs> ah. Wait, but but that was correct though, right? I believe so. Oh, shit. But according to the sailor's word book, to make is variously applied in sea language. Okay, well, come on now. <laughs> well, then why include it if you don't have a definition for it? Because they then give more specific examples of this verb. Such as, make a lane there. Get out of the way? Indeed, it is the order of the bosun for the crew to separate at muster to facilitate the approach of any one whose name is called. Oh, alright. Or, make fast. (laughs) Hurry up and go to the bathroom. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that one. It's never going to be that one. (laughs) Piss faster. (laughs) Uh, to secure, 
Presumably. Yes, a word generally used for tying or securing ropes to fasten. Hell yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get an A in boat. I was gonna say, man, I'm glad this isn't a game show because you'd be kicking my ass apart. (laughs) (laughs) To make free with the land. Oh, well that sounds a little... I know, right? A bit rude. (laughs) That sounds like you're kissing a rock or something. Yeah. Oh, it's when you get like washed up after a shipwreck and then you you smooch the sand because you're so glad to be back. Yeah. It means to approach the shore closely. So... You were a little close to it when you said kissing rocks. No, all right. All right, all right, all right. Metaphorically-ish. And yet, to make free with the land is a separate definition from to make the land. Well, is that just to, like, hit it? Yeah. That is to see it from a distance after a voyage. Now, hang on. I know. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Wait, (laughs) wait now. Mm. Yes. That doesn't feel like a a natural progression. It really doesn't. (laughs) No, no. Make it so. Oh, oh we know oh. this one. Oh, everyone's just go. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> well, that just means do the damn thing, right? Like a thousand dorks just pointed at their podcast <laughs> listening device. We're like, it's him. Mr. Picard, it's him. It's Captain Picard. And yet, were we perhaps betrayed and misled by our beloved Star Trek? (gasps) Jean-Luc, no. Does it not mean do the damn thing? Perhaps it does in Starfleet. (gasps) But in the Royal Navy, it means the order of a commander to confirm the time, sunrise, noon, or sunset reported to him by the officer of the watch. I suppose because, like, the timekeeping devices were kind of, like, it was, like, a little bit arbitrary, right? A little bit, yeah. Longitude was rather fucky for several centuries. <laughs> yeah, like, Captain is basically God at sea and is like, well, I say it's bedtime, boys. <laughs> <laughs> to make sail. Well, we need some sails up there, buddy. Go on, get 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 to making me some. <laughs> right, it's so faster. <laughs> to increase the quantity of sail already set, either by letting out reefs or by setting additional sails. So it's not so much creating sails as it is making the sails we already have hung up there ready to actually do some sailing. Got it. Make the sails do the sailing. Hoist up the thing. Yeah. To make water. Oh, that's pee. To go pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Finally, we got there. <laughs> we did it! We did it! Someone feed! After however many letters, I can't count. <laughs> Usually signifies the act of a ship leaking, unless the epithet foul be added, at which point the book instructs us to see foul water. However, Foul water is not defined anywhere in this book. Wait, are they saying that, like, sailors used to use, like, tone signifiers? Like, tweens on Tumblr being, like, slash serious or slash genuine? Make water slash foul. (laughs) Yeah! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Captain. I'm afraid I have to go make water foul. (laughs) Slash serious. (laughs) Slash genuine. Slash positive. (laughs) Slash HJ. Why? I hate that. I don't know what it means. I have absolutely no idea. Every time I read it as handjob. Every time I read it as slash handjob. But no, it actually means half joking. If there are any other millennials in the chat who need to know what the hell's going on. It means half joking. I don't need to know when you're being a little bit snide. Like, you don't have to tell me. (laughs) 
Well, the the positive one too. Like every time I read it, I'm like, "Are you calling me a piece of shit?" Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> anyway, we just yeah. dated ourselves pretty hard. <laughs> I'm pretty sure billing ourselves as the Millennial Antiques podcast kind of let everyone know our age range. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Someday, God willing, we too will be antiques. (laughs) We're at least vintage now, right? Like, technically. Ooh. It's over 25 years, right? We're definitely retro. I don't know that we're vintage yet. I would say vintage is 50 plus if we're being strict about it. Oh, okay. I've heard, like, debate about whether vintage was 25 years, antique was 50, or vintage was 50 years, antique was 100. I would say vintage is 50, antique is 100. Well, I trust you. But I think it also depends on where you are and whether it's expected for material goods to be that old. Fair. Because, like, in the United Kingdom, they don't consider Victorian stuff antique. Are you kidding? Like, that's not old enough for them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. God, they're so fucking annoying. They're so spoiled. They don't even know. They don't even know. They won't know jack shit. And I went to school and my, the building is older than your country. Shut up. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Our next definition is Molly Mock. Isn't that your Blorbo, Ken? It's one of my Blorbos, yeah. <laughs> That's that little purple guy what died. It's the purple guy who absolutely ate shit on Critical Role, yeah. RIP! No! (laughs) Spoilers for Critical Role, which came out, what, like seven years ago? It happens in, like, the first 15 episodes. (laughs) Oh. I'm pretty sure that happened in episode seven, too. Oh, no! It happens very early on in that season. (laughs) RIP. It happened within, I want to say, a week of Dee making a joke post about him dying in every battle. Oh. Because he had done so up to that point, and then he died for real. <laughs> it's still going on. People are, it's like still circulating. People are yelling at me, going, like, Why would you say that? And it's like, I didn't know. <laughs> no one knew. We thought he'd get back up. He always got back up every other time. Apollo's dodgeball hit you pretty hard, huh? <laughs> Apollo's dodgeball hit me right between the eyes. <laughs> okay, what does it actually mean, though? Is it like a silly goose? In the sailor's word book, it is a small kind of albatross. Oh, oh, that's right. I mean, that's really cute. Which is what the player for Molly Mock cited as one of the inspirations for the character's name. Oh, that's really lovely. Also, what is a small kind of albatross? Is that just like still fuck off huge seagull size? Because like, yeah, they're enormous. <laughs> still a very large bird. That I personally would not want to fuck with, but you know. Mm-mm. Not to mention the curse. Well, you know. The curse. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you kill an albatross and then it has to hang around your neck or whatever and your bloodline's cursed or yeah. something. I read The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner in high school. Oh yeah, that curse, right. <laughs> and that old albatross-shaped chestnut. <laughs> Deliberately making my high school English teacher angry by saying these things. Why do we create if not to make our high school English teachers enraged? That is what I ask. <laughs> Absolutely. Our next word is Mali Moroccing. Uh, well, that sounds like the hottest dance club hit of the year. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like dance moves. Like, oh, I heard he was totally Mali Moroccan last night to some sick jigs. Yeah. Sorry for Mali Mar- <laughs> Sorry for Mali Moroccan, <laughs> my uh, second album. <laughs> 
by LMFAO OTB, LMFAO on the boat. God damn it. Nice, 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 nice. It's bad, it's stupid, don't keep that in the podcast. <laughs> no, no keep it, no, it. keep it. It's gotta, it's gotta stay in. Ken, Ken, play it at the beginning and the end so nobody misses it. <laughs> no! <laughs> but you are both shockingly close with the definition because it is the visiting and carousing of seamen in the Greenland ships. Wait, for real? Yeah. Oh, shit. They would say sorry for Molly Mohawking. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, at The Longest Johns, you have your new album title. <laughs> I hope they listen to this. They should. It feels like their jam. They better. If you're out there, you guys are fucking better. <laughs> <laughs> to Manarvel. Uh, what? <laughs> It's when something's just too manarvelous. Oh, absolutely <laughs> manarvelous. <laughs> It means to pilfer small stores. <laughs> oh. Wait, that's awesome. <laughs> Our next word is manachiel. A what now? Is that when you hold a manatee up uh, as a meat shield? Oh no, that's so <laughs> sad. It's so <laughs> no! sad. Who would do such a thing? That's not what they're made for. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're too soft. Manichiel, spelled M-A-N-I-C-H-E-E-L, is Hippomane manichella, a tree which grows to a vast size on the coasts of the Caribbean Isles and neighboring continent. The fruit and sap are highly poisonous, but sleeping beneath the branches does not cause death, as was erroneously supposed. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a lot to, to put on a plant. Yeah, seriously. Don't worry, y'all. We're men of science in 1867. We now know that sleeping underneath this tree will not instantly kill you. Unless. Unless. I guess I would like to see the tree that can. Unless you have the notoriously Victorian habit of sleep chewing. <laughs> You know, if you just start, if you fall asleep under this tree, you start noshing on it, well, then you're SOL. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Our next word is manhunting. <laughs> At the club. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something, when you're done Molly Moroccan, uh, you do a little manhunting after hours, you know? Oh, yeah. Frolicking in the Orlop or whatever the hell. <laughs> God, the Orlop. I cannot wait until we get to O. Oh, yes. Such wonders await. Manhunting in the sailor's word book is the impress service. Um, you go get some boys and you're like, you work for the king now. Yeah, that's when you go down the dock, steal some guys and say, you're in the Navy now, enjoy. <laughs> you slip a coin into their beer and you're like, oh no, you took the king's shilling. Oh no, you work for me. That's so crazy. <laughs> so weird that you do that now. Wow, this must suck for you. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Why do we have such a mutiny problem? <laughs> I actually saw, I don't know if this was real. Maybe you guys can tell me if this was real. I saw this like listing for a glass bottomed tankard that was supposedly developed for the avoidance of this very phenomenon um, so that you could like see if somebody had slipped you the king's shilling. I saw that post as well. My wondering is unless you're looking at the bottom of your own glass like from beneath. Right. I don't see how that would be helpful. I feel like you have to be pretty well into your pint to even be able to see like light through the bottom of it if your face is in it yeah that's a thing particularly in an era pre-electricity like if this is a candlelit bar at night in liverpool or what have you right well and if they're drinking beer that's at all decent tbh <laughs> <laughs> 
That's subjective, but I have strong feelings about it. Next up on our Hops podcast, <laughs> Mare's Tales. That's the back end of a pony. Oh, wait, is this clouds? Is it a shape of clouds? It is. It's a peculiar modification of the cirrus, indicating wind. Hell oh, yeah. Oh, sky horses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> to contrast and juxtapose the seahorses. Uh... These guys just saw horses everywhere. They went to sea and they were like, man, you know what I miss more than anything in the world? God's own beautiful four-legged mistake. Man, <laughs> the most diable creature God ever did make. <laughs> what if there was a lemming and it ran on its fingernails? <laughs> Our next word is marine officer. Oh, there's the lobsters. That's actually, if you uh, dive deep enough, there's a go- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got little clipboards down there. People don't know that. <laughs> it is an officer of the Royal Marines, jocularly and witlessly applied to an empty bottle as being quote-unquote useless, but better rendered as having quote, done its duty and ready to do it again. Rude. Damn. <laughs> God, did the Navy just, like... I mean, they were required to have Marines on board, right? Like, the Redcoats? Yes, but I don't think they were particularly thrilled about that. I get the impression that relations between the Navy and the Marines they were forced to host were not, like, awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely... I've seen it depicted in various media as, like, the Marines being kind of like the onboard jocks. <laughs> <laughs> Our next word is the Royal Marines, which, yes, is a distinct entry from Marine Officer. Aren't they all Royal Marines? Well, according to Sweeney Todd, it's uh, what you eat if you're British and loyal. Aha! Aha! <laughs> that was a joke for 2% of the audience. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Steven. I feel like the Venn diagram of antiques people and theater goths is a significant overlap. I feel like, yeah, particularly like old gays who like Sondheim <laughs> feels like a pretty <laughs> like, substantial part of the audience. At last, we found our target audience. <laughs> But according to the sailor's word book, it is a body of officers and soldiers raised to serve on board men of war and trained to fight either at sea or on shore. Literally, how is that different from the previous entry? Yeah, I don't get it. It also includes the phrase, tell that to the Marines, which was a common rejoinder to any improbable assertion when these fine fellows had not yet acquired their present high estimation. Wait, like calling out bullshit? Yeah, I tell you something you think is fucking stupid, you say tell it to the marines with the implication that only a marine would be stupid enough to believe it. Oh my god. I see. <laughs> Which pairs nicely with their with the use of marine officer as slang for an empty bottle. Yeah, no, it kind of sounds like there was a stereotype of these guys as being like hot jocks. <laughs> They did also wear corsets, fun fact. Just some sexy little himbos hanging around. These are just our regulation boat himbos. <laughs> a royal body yaddy yaddy of officers. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
Marling spike. That's a spike for Marling. Damn, dude, got it in one. Got it in one. I'm, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Fucking nailed it, bro. I actually think I also know this for reasons. It is like a metal spike that you would use for picking apart the ends of rope so that you could like join pieces of rope together. I feel like I looked this up because I was curious where the name had come from because it's like Captain Haddock's house in Tintin is Marlin's Spike Hall. <laughs> wow. Well, your research has served you well because yes, that is exactly it. <laughs> Hell yeah. It is an iron pin tapering to a point and principally used to separate the strands of a rope in order to introduce the ends of some other through the intervals in the act of knotting or splicing. It is also used as a lever in marling, fixing seasons, etc. At which point it instructs us to see the entry for FID. Oh yeah! I remember that one. That classic FID. Love a FID. A FID being a conical pin of hard wood of any size from 10 inches downwards, tapering to a point used to open the strands of a rope and splicing. FID is improperly applied to metal of the same shape. They are then termed marling spikes. So the distinction is, if it's made of wood, it's a FID. If it's metal, it's a marling spike. And if it's silicone... And neither of them should go inside you. (laughs) That's the other thing, because it is not to be confused with a belaying pin, which is a small wooden or iron cylinder fixed in racks of different parts of the ship for belaying or running rope to. And I make that distinction because people in certain communities do confuse fids and belaying pins, and while I would say a belaying pin, since it has a flared base and a handle, could be made safe for insertion, I would not say the same of a fid. I don't think that they are mistaken. You get people selling belaying pins labeled as fids and vice versa, because everyone says, well, this is a stick of wood on a boat that is attached to rope somehow. So clearly... Every day I learn... I think what they're looking at is that I could put this in my butt, and they kind of just roll with that. And you really shouldn't. (laughs) Every day I learn about new facets of subcultures that I, like, (laughs) probably could have assumed, but, like, had not had laid out for me so abundantly clearly. Um, And you know what? That's what's so important about modern podcasting is education. Thank you. Would you prefer for us to anonymize your contribution to this particular episode, Hannah? (laughs) It's fine. No need. There's lots of people named Hannah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's oodles. You'd be able to get away with this one. Our next entry is Martinet. Oh, sounds like 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 a cute little bird. Charles. What? Wait, Charles Martinet. Whomst? Whomst? Never mind. Never mind. No, you have to say it now. No, not never mind. Explain yourself. (laughs) Whomst is Charles Martinet? This is for my Charles Martinet fans. Yeah. (laughs) You stand before this court of podcast and you explain (laughs) yourself. He's he's the voice actor for Mario and Luigi. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> I can't believe you guys don't know yet. Charles Martinet. He is the Mario. I'm sorry, I'm a fake fan. You're a fake fucking Mario <laughs> fan. He was in Mario Teaches Typing. Damn. Holy crap. Mario Teaches Sailing. Oh man, Mario Teaches Not Work. In the context of the Sailor's Wordbook, a Martinet is a rigid disciplinarian, but one who, in matters of inferior moment, harasses all under him. Oh, so like a Malvolio. I don't remember who Malvolio is. No, I don't think I ever knew. Oh, he's like the douchebag from Twelfth Night who's like a real pain in the butt. Anyway. Again, I'm narrowcasting. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
narrow casting to the few fans of Shakespeare, that underground artist. When will he achieve his well-deserved recognition? Gotta be like, what, three tops? Good old Indie Bill. That's my man, Indie Bill. We've been telling that guy for ages. That poetry's not going anywhere, Billy boy. Nobody cares, baby. Get back to glove making. Yeah, go back to making gloves. At least people can use those. Nerd. So you might notice that definition is vague and circular. Mm -hmm. So I sought out a more complete definition of martinet, and Wikipedia gave me this. In English, a martinet is any person who believes strict adherence to rules and etiquette is paramount. Martinets often use etiquette and other rules as an excuse to overrule ethics to the point that etiquette loses its ethical ground. However... However... In French, a martinet is a short, scourge-like, multi-tail type of whip made of a 10-inch wooden handle and 10 lashes of equal, relatively short length, usually made of leather, but sometimes of soap-stiffen cord. It was a traditional instrument of physical punishment in France. Also known as a child's whip. The lashes are light, so the advantage is that they give a stinging pain on bare skin, but will not cause an injury. Alright, I'm gonna come out with a bold stance. I don't think you should be giving kids whips. You know what? I'm gonna co-sign that. How could you say something so controversial, yet so brave? (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. It might be hard to hear, but... They're gonna put you away for this. Dude, they're never gonna catch me. So the Toulon didn't read of it is, in French it is the weapon, and in English it is the person who wields it. Okay, so it's like a crappy middle manager who's like, um, well, actually, like, you're supposed to follow this, like, exact letter of the rules, even though it actually gets in the way of you doing your job. Exactly. It's that asshole. That guy. Martingale. That's a kind of collar for a puppy. It's a slip collar so that they can't run away. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's not the definition here, but it is good to know. Again, I'm just going to say it sounds like a bird. It does sound like a bird. Well, it's also a way of tying things. It doesn't have to be a puppy collar. I think you you can just tie things that way so that it like slips every time it moves so that something can't get loose. Oh, well then, yeah, I guess not is probably a safe guess. So that's not the definition exactly here, but I can see how they might be related because in the book it's a rope extending downwards from the jib boon to a kind of short gaff-shaped spar fixed perpendicularly under the gap of the bowsprit. That was so many, so many words. (laughs) Ah, wow. (laughs) It is a rope tied to a part of the ship that moves but should not come entirely loose. Much like a puppy. Much like a puppy. (laughs) Much like a puppy should be able to move, but not get loose. You know, in many ways, a boat is just a big wooden puppy. Oh my god, you're so right. If you think about it. The spar is usually termed the dolphin striker from its handy position whence to strike fish. Why would you want to do that? A dolphin is a wonderful animal. A dolphin is a friend. Sometimes at sea you're hungry. (laughs) God. There's all this stuff to eat in the ocean. Well, there's at least three things to eat in the ocean. At least. Maybe more. One of which is mackerel. One of which is mackerel. You have made me want to try mackerel. I'm gonna have to come out to Boston. It is the most delicious. A canned a canned mackerel that's been, you know, deboned, boneless canned mackerel, that is a treat. It's not as good as fresh. If you can get fresh, that's the best, but ooh, tinned mackerel. Yum, yum, give me some. Hell yeah. Come to scenic New Bedford. We have fresh mackerel. Hot diggity. God, we have mackerel. We got shisharus. 
I want to hear your take on the gentrification of the tinned fish trend. I want to hate it, but at the same time, I think it's about time everyone realized how good tinned fish is. Word. <laughs> I respect that. I had like tinned smoked paprika clams at like a schmancy little bar over the summer. And I was like, damn it, this does kick ass, actually. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It sounds so fucking baller. Mast. Oh, it's the big thing. It's the thing on the boat. Make the boat go. In the middle, where the sails are. That's the go-go, that's the go-go rod. (laughs) Not the go-go rod. It is a long cylindrical piece of timber elevated perpendicularly upon the keel of a ship. Yeah, it is. To which are attached the yard, the rigging, and the sails. It is either formed of one piece and called a pole mast, or composed of several pieces joined together and termed a maid mast. The main mast is the largest mast in a ship. The mizzen mast is the smallest mast standing between the main mast and the stern. And I bring all of this up because until I read these definitions, I thought main mast and mizzen mast were synonymous terms. That is honestly groundbreaking. And I feel like I this is like the same as when I learned what port and starboard were. Right? Just like a fundamental understanding of ship geography. Yeah, dang. Mizzen, because it's like minuscule. It's like a little guy. It's a little guy. Overmasted or taunt-masted. That sounds like when you're drunk. That that sounds wicked horny. (laughs) He's like way overmasted. It is the state of a ship whose masts are too tall or too heavy. Yeah, so like a ship that's too horny. Horny ship. Springing a mast? That's when you show up horny. (laughs) Springing a mast is when it is cracked horizontally in any place. (laughs) I don't know why I wasn't expecting the mast definitions to go in this direction. (laughs) I don't know why I expected any differently. And yet here we are. You came to the Naughty Nautical Jokes podcast and expected there not to be Naughty Nautical Jokes. (laughs) I did. I did. I thought the masts would be spared, but no. No. No, never. (laughs) Well, thank God we have moved on to Master and Commander. Ah, the best movie ever made. (laughs) I was going to say, and you want us to stop making horny jokes? (laughs) Not gonna happen with this one. Absolutely not. The cello is a metaphor. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Master Commander is how like 90% of every person found out they were into BDSM. Just by saying the title. I mean, I don't know that that's strictly speaking true across the board as it were. (laughs) I think some people just like boats. Boat DSM. (laughs) I'm literally looking across the room at my DVD copy of Master and Commander that I got at the thrift store right at this moment. It's like possibly my favorite movie of all time. In the context of the sailor's word book, it is a title which in 1814 was simplified to commander, the next degree above lieutenant. He ranks with but after a lieutenant colonel. 
And it is also the first book in Patrick O'Brien's Aubrey Maturin series, taking place from 1800 to 1801, the title also used for the 2003 film, around which several people have rearranged their entire lives. <laughs> None of whom could possibly be on this podcast. Yeah, Perish I, the thought! None of whom feature here today. <laughs> At least as far as we'll admit to you. <laughs> But okay, in all seriousness, so like, you've got a captain, and then like, a commander is like, I thought a lieutenant was second in command if the captain went down, but a commander is like, above that? He's like, in between these. That, I don't know. I am familiar with how ranks work aboard American whaling vessels in the 19th century. And I am passingly familiar with how ranks worked in the golden age of piracy aboard pirate vessels. When it comes to the Royal Navy, I am tragically deficient. Yeah, me too. I just think they all sound cool, but like... (laughs) (laughs) Don't think about them really beyond that. I know... Okay, in AMC's sleeper hit show, The Terror 2018. There are so many goddamn lieutenants, holy shit, and they all look exactly the same. Oh, there's a gajillion and they all have such sideburns. But so, like, (laughs) there are three lieutenants. There's a first, second, and third for each ship. Sir John is a admiral something? He's like, so it's Captain Crozier, Commander Fitzjames, and then Sir John is the leader of the whole thing. So, like... I think Sir John is the captain, and Crozier is also a captain because they have two boats, and Fitzjames as the commander ranks under Sir John, which is why he takes over when, spoiler alert, Sir John gets eaten. Right. Spoiler for the whole series, they open telling you all these guys are dead, so like, you know. Right, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, but like, Lieutenant Little is not a commander for reasons unknown, I guess. He's just a lieutenant because he didn't level up or something. Or something. Patrick O'Brien fans, get at us. <laughs> Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Please explain <laughs> at length Roll. how the Royal Navy ranks work in the early 19th century. Patrick O'Brien yourself. Write in. <laughs> mast heading. Uh, mast heading your way. That's where the mast's going. <laughs> it's when the mast snaps in two and is coming at you. <laughs> It is a well-known marine punishment said to give midshipmen the best time for reading. A court-martial, as a substitute, punishes the parents as well as the thoughtless youth. Yo, what? The fuck? An incredible question, which is why I went to wiki.hmssurprise.org for more information. (laughs) Is this the Wikipedia article for fans of Patrick O'Brien novels? You betcha. God bless. I love the internet. Man, there's just so many kinds of people. And according to them, Patrick O'Brien often describes midshipmen and other young crew members being mastheaded, i.e. sent to the top of the mast to stay there until the officer decided to allow them down. This was usually a minor punishment, equivalent to being sent to stand in a corner, but could be unpleasant or hazardous in rough or stormy weather. So in conclusion, it's basically time out for naughty boat boys. Oh my god. I mean, yeah. So I guess, like, 
if you think about midshipmen as being like anywhere between 11 and 16 on average, it's just like, please get out of my way. Like, go crawl up the mast and don't be <laughs> underfoot for a while. Go sit there and think about what you've done. <laughs> right. Go cling to this tree in the middle of the ocean and think about what you've done. Think of your sins. Mast high. Well, it sure is. Gotta be to get the wind. That's what John Denver talks about, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, mast is high. High. (laughs) It is a figurative expression of height. Oh, Oh, I was right. You were. (laughs) Yeah. Who's gonna give me my crazy taxi award? I will give you mackerel the next time we go out for sushi. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Matt. That's a guy. It's my guy. It's my good friend Matt. My dude Matt. (laughs) So here's the definition of Matt, M-A-T, in full from the sailor's word book. To prevent chafing, a thick mat is woven from strands of old rope. Oh, no. No, I know what you're thinking. To prevent what from chafing what? Who can say? Hmm. I can say, actually. Ah. Because I'm the one who went to the New Bedford Whaling Museum during a lecture on Moby Dick, where I asked for someone to explain the nautical purpose of the sword mat woven by Ishmael and Queequeg as a metaphor for their intertwined fates and undying love. He did do that. By the way, that's not a joke. He did. I watched him do that. Ken, I love you so much. <laughs> I just want you to know I really appreciate you. I gelled up my mohawk specifically for the occasion to make the best possible impression on the docents and lecturers of the New Bedford Whaling Museum. Fuck yeah. And what they told me was this. Basically, it's like a bumper for a boat. Wait, really? (laughs) You weave rope ends together into a bumper that you put on the front of your boat. Not the ship, but like the whale boat or the smaller crafts that go out from the ship to prevent them from knocking against the dock and or other boats. Oh... Yeah, I guess that would scratch your boat up, like your ship up, pretty bad, because your little boats usually sort of bonk against it when you're coming back in, huh? Exactly. In conclusion, Ishmael and Queequeg got gay married so hard I actually learned a boat fact. (laughs) Don't sell yourself short. All the boat facts you know kind of started there, I think. I mean, yes, but... (laughs) It's a gateway drug. Boats are a gateway drug to queer history. You heard it here first. It's true. And vice versa. Absolutely. That's where all the dudes are having sex. Maze. That's corn. Corn? M-A-Z-E. Oh, that's like a fun little trap that the killer gets you in. Oh, no. This is what saw is. Yeah. Saw happens in a maze. (laughs) Saw is I trap you in a podcast and explain boat terms to you. Yeah. (laughs) According to the sailor's word book... It is, in the herring trade, 500 fishes. Oh, fuck yeah. That's almost enough fishes to feed me. (laughs) That's so many herring. (laughs) So many herring, and yet never enough herring. I'm absolutely lost in this maze of herring. What a way to go. Messmate. That's your buddy. Well, you tell your friend when he's really fucked things up. You say, you made a messmate. (laughs) It is a companion of the same mess table, hence comrades in many ways. Whence the phrase, messmate before a shipmate, shipmate before a stranger, stranger before a dog. I mean, there are probably a lot of dogs that I would trust over some co-workers, so I don't know how well that holds up, but... I actually would say most dogs. <laughs> Mid. <laughs> well, I know Zoomers taught me this one. It means pretty mediocre. <laughs> That's what the kids are saying these days. The most devastating thing any Zoomer can say to you. 
<laughs> ship's pretty mid. In the sailor's word book, it is the intermediate or middle part of anything. Also, a midshipman. <laughs> He's like kind of an okay shipman, honestly. Like <laughs> He's like fine. Like he certainly like can do the job, but Right. He's not winning any prizes. Kind of a midshipman. Now I know what you're thinking. What's a midshipman? Pretend you didn't hear Hannah describe it earlier in this podcast. <laughs> And baby officer. <laughs> it is a naval cadet appointed by the Admiralty with the exception of one in each ship appointed by the captain. No person can be appointed midshipman until he has served one year and passed his examinations, nor a lieutenant without previously having served six years in the Royal Navy as a midshipman and having further passed two severe examinations, one in seamanship and one in gunnery. A midshipman is then the station in which a young volunteer is trained in the several exercises necessary to attain a knowledge of steam machinery, discipline, the general movements and operations of a ship, and qualify him to command. In real life terms, basically a small child whose parents sold them to the navy but they're upper class so they're like 14 and outrank whole adult sailors and they wear cute little top hats and it's weird extremely so yes (laughs) (laughs) this is an actual thing that happened there would be literal middle schoolers commanding grown men (sighs) why was morale so low that's actually what it's like to work at Hot Topic in your 30s. Oh god, seriously though. <laughs> Midshipman's nuts. <laughs> now, come on, on. open fire. <laughs> <laughs> A seasonal entry. You know, I've I've heard the I've heard some of the guys in the boat say that they are pretty mid. <laughs> It is broken pieces of biscuit as dessert. Oh, that's so (laughs) sad. Oh, no. I don't think any dessert should be named after a man's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) They were just giving these babies, like, shitty bits of biscuit for dessert. Were they throwing them (laughs) on the ground? Like, they're making them peck at them like birds, too? It's the only thing that could make this tableau sadder. Scattered them on the deck like feed. (laughs) Go, boy. My babies. (laughs) Midshipman's roll. That's the biscuit. Yeah, throwing biscuits to the boys. Those are the buns. It is a slovenly method of rolling up a hammock transversely and lashing it endways by one clue. Oh, so like doing a shitty teenager job. Exactly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely. Damn. To drown the Miller. Well, the Miller's gotta go. He saw some shit. He's been canceled. <laughs> Miller's canceled. All right, drag him out. <laughs> Said some really busted stuff about wheat. It means to put an overdose of water to grog. Oh, okay. I guess. Like grain-based alcohol. Yeah, I hate that that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cute, but it's kind of too twee for my taste. Yeah. Too cute. I feel like I hate that that makes sense could be the subtitle for any one of our Sailor's Wordbook episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. I feel like it's a subtitle that pops up when I'm talking, honestly. <laughs> Just got, like, bonus hover text whenever I speak. Like, did you know <laughs> this came from <laughs> Blurditor? I hate that that fucking made sense. <laughs> Moist daughters. Ugh. Oh, no. I don't care what it is. I want it to stop being. <laughs> Yucky. Bad. Yeah, gross. Icky. 
I'll see it out of my office, thank you. <laughs> it is Spencer's term for the Hyades, a group of seven stars in the head of the bull. He saw some stars and thought, those are some moist daughters? There's some moist bitches right there. Yeah, I think it might be broken. <laughs> That sucks! I think Spencer might be broken as a person and a poet. Yeah, wow, that really did- I was, like, really hoping it would be, like, I don't know, clams or something. Like, something that kind- <laughs> Yeah, that's my moist daughters. Not beautiful stars. <laughs> like, still bad, but kind of made sense. It's a sad day when we're hoping the definition is clams. <laughs> I, pr I pray they're talking of clams. Money bound. Oh, hell yeah, that's me in Vegas, baby. Catch me out on the strip. <laughs> it is a phrase expressive of such passengers as are detained on board till a remittance arrives for paying the passage made. Oh my god. It's like if you didn't pay. <laughs> so if you get on a boat and then you get to the end of the boat and you're like, lol, can't pay for the trip I just took, they do just kind of keep you on board until they get money. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's like in cartoons when you don't, when you can't pay for your meal and they just make you wash dishes. Yeah, except for in this case, you're imprisoned. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like that, <laughs> but for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> Free housing hack. <laughs> Try this one easy trick. Yeah, watch me clown on the Royal Navy. <laughs> And eat on their dime for the rest of my natural uh, life. Throw those biscuit crumbs at me, bitch. <laughs> Captains hate this one weird trick. Mooney. It's when you flash your cheeks at another boat passing by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you doing a little Mooney. It means not quite intoxicated, but unfitted for duty. Oh, just mm. drunk enough, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, how modern English people would say merry. Like, oh, he wasn't drunk. He was just merry. I see. <laughs> Moonrakers. It's a really not great uh, James Bond film. <laughs> Casino Royale, it ain't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Is it like the super, super tall, like the highest up spars on a mast? Yes, it is the sails above the sky sails. They are usually designated moon sails. I'm punching the air right now. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm doing it. <laughs> You're punching the moonrakers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna that. pass my lieutenant's exam, you guys. Yay! You're gonna be a midshipman yet! Oh my god! I'm at 31! <laughs> Moonstruck. You got hit by the goddamn moon. Sorry about it. It's a really good movie with Cher in it. I was about to say, it is not the 1987 rom-com starring Cher and Nicolas Cage. Oh, it's so good! Ah, everybody's, everybody wants to talk about fucking Cher. <laughs> <laughs> It is an influence imputed to the moon in the tropics by which fish, particularly of the scomber class, though recently taken, become intenerated and even spoiled, while some attribute poisonous qualities to them in this state. Human beings are also said to be injured by sleeping in the moon's rays. Oh, whoa, this is some, like, old-timey witchcraft stuff. Yeah, kinda into it, honestly. Moon's poisonous! <laughs> Your blood got poisonous because you got moon exposure. You think about all of the you think about all the famous figures who have been killed horribly, and they all saw the moon. Shit, damn, you're right. So true. 
I am also wondering how this ties into the Varney the Vampire lore because vampires are strengthened and revived by sleeping in the moon's rays. Oh, the opposite of being killed by the moon. In many ways, yes. <laughs> They're toxic. I'm sipping on this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Shit. Mosquito fleet. It's a little tiny boat. <laughs> They're so little. And they make an e sound. <laughs> it is an assemblage of small craft. Hell yes. You nailed it, Dee. Aw, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> the cutest definition. To raise a mouse. <laughs> well, that's what they did when they got Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> you take him in as your own. It is to strike a blow which produces a lump. Oh, gross. Like as though there's a mouse under the skin. Yeah. Yeah, that's nasty. What the fuck? Yuck. Oh, I hate that way more than like, oh, you got a goose egg. There's a mouse under there. <laughs> Mudlarks. Like a mud skipper fish? Or are those the people who like go searching for like bits, bits and stuff down by the river? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that they do call themselves mudlarks. Mudlarking. Yeah. Maybe it's an older term, though. You've got it. It is people who grovel about bays and harbors at low water for anything they can find. People who grovel about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bud, they sure do. So see, they take a dim view of mudlarking. Yeah, seriously. For more about London mudlarks specifically, including interviews with 19th century mudlarks, check out London Labor and London Poor by Henry Mayhew, free on Project Gutenberg, because he published it in the mid-19th century. God bless Project Gutenberg. They're doing the most. Truly. We wouldn't have access to the Sailor's Word book without them. Because guess where I got this? Here, here. <laughs> Muggy. Like humid? The, uh, the guy who brings up the mug for you. <laughs> That's Muggy. <laughs> That's old Muggsy. That's old Muggy. Don't worry, he got your mug. Is it humid? Shockingly, no. It means half intoxicated, a sheet in the wind, which we might contrast with three sheets to the wind. Bro, they got words for every percentage <laughs> over the legal limit you might be. I mean, they're British, so... Yeah, that tracks, actually. <laughs> and finally, Muzzy. Is this also a drunk one? That's actually the French... Those are those French learn-to-speak VHSs. He's the big blue monster that teaches you French. No, Hannah had it right. It means half-drunk. Okay, so in order, <laughs> what do we think is the most? We've got, shoot, now my brain doesn't work and I've forgotten everything before Muzzy. Muzzy, Muggy, and what is it, Mooney? Mooney, yes. In order of intensity, what do we think? I think in order of intensity, it is Mooney and then Muggy and Muzzy seem to be exactly equal because we have half intoxicated versus half drunk. Yeah, one sheet to the wind. <laughs> is it one third drunk? A third of a sheet to the wind. <laughs> <sighs> and with that, we conclude the M chapter to the Sailor's Word book, the first hour and a half installment of the series. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am love it. And that is my best English. Thank you kindly. <laughs> Will Hannah ever deign to return? Tune in to find out. <laughs> I love it here. I have the best time every time I'm here. I'm sorry that my computer never seems to, but I do. <laughs> Despite your computer's best efforts, you will podcast, goddammit. 
come hell or high water. <laughs> I must podcast and I must <laughs> scream. Listen, if I can't yell with my friends about boat stuff on the internet, what am I even here for? You make a compelling point. Thank you. 100% right. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm ashamed to admit I have had boat drinks stuck in my head for the last a half hour of this. Oh man, pour one out for our good buddy James. You know what, yeah. Jimmy Buffett, you would have loved the Sailor's Word book. You would have loved it, my main man. My main nest man. I have had Barrett's Privateers stuck in my head since we scheduled this episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> my god, I have a friend, okay, you don't have to put this in the podcast, but I do have a friend whose last name is Barrett, and he made his Twitter username for Halloween the last of Barrett's Private Fears, and it was really good. <laughs> I like that. I like that quite a bit. Yep, yep. I think that's too good. We have to keep it in. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Regrettably, that's going to have to stay. Oh, Thank you for joining us, Hannah. And please, please do come back. Oh my this god. This is too much fun. <laughs> please come back. Literally. <laughs> it is always a delight. Yeah, no, I, I love being, just being historically goofy with you guys. Yeah. Ah, uh, just, just historical goofing. Just old boot goofing. <laughs> Vintage boot goofing. <laughs> Now, Hannah, where on the internet can people see, for example, your terror fan comics? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, um, my uh, my art Tumblr is havercampinc.tumblr.com. I am elsewhere on the internet, but it's a mystery. <laughs> Ooh, it's a scavenger hunt. Where will you find Hannah? <laughs> it's a scap, please don't. Uh <laughs> Quest for the Northwest Passage 2. This time you have to find Hannah. <laughs> no, my, my art Tumblr uh, and then my Instagram at HJHaverCamp, I think, are my main online presences now. I sort of scrubbed a bunch of it when I became faculty. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable, honestly. I was like, please Fair. don't, I beg of you. I had an undergrad at my last position be like, oh my god, I found one of your pieces of... Our flag means death fan art, and I promptly died. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have to fake my own death now. Thank you so much. And then our podcast became haunted. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't go find Hannah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Delete this podcast. Burn after listening. Yeah, burn after listening. The whole goddamn thing. This counts as research. <laughs> If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!